Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 177 of the Masterclass Podcast. Today, my name is still Cam, and I am joined by the one and only David Hogue. What's up, sir? I don't think I'm the one and only. I think there's a lot of David Hogues. Well, you're the only (laughs) one I care about. Gotcha. No offense, listeners named Dave Hogue. (laughs) Jesus loves you. It's okay. I think there's like a big wig with Google named David Hogue. I was, who was I? Oh, I was talking to, okay. So interesting, weird sort of aside. I do another podcast about like technology and stuff called Inner Dialogue with a guy named Mitch. And his name is Mitch Craig, and he used to be in radio in Wisconsin. But there's a more famous Mitch Craig who is a radio personality. Uh, and so he's was known in his radio circles as the other Mitch Craig. <laughs> uh, and um, I'm trying to remember if it was him. No, it had to have been him, because we just talked the other day. He said uh, he was... Googling me to see my to look and find other stuff, but he Googled Cameron Brennan and everything that I am online is Cam Brennan. You know, like my website, like all, all that stuff. And apparently there's some Cameron Brennan that is like some big wig neuro scientist or something like that. It's like, well, that's a lot that's much more my sister's area than mine. Uh she actually just got her PhD from the University of Michigan. And she's about to crank a baby out in the next few days, so Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. She's due uh, in three days, so I shall have my first nephew in, in uh, you know, ah. the near future. Very cool. And they haven't told anybody what they're going to name him. And I'm a bit nervous that they're going to name him, like, you know, Copernicus or Galileo or <laughs> Einstein or because her husband is also well she just finished her PhD work her husband will finish his this spring slash summer uh, and his is in robotics and hers well, was in like computational biology or I don't even know so <laughs> I'm a bit concerned they're going to name their kid something very 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 you know scientific but it'll probably just wind up being like, you know, David or something (laughs) much more uh, boring, but we'll see. Anyways. Anyways. So you're doing good. Yeah. I mean, you showed up, so that's good. Yes. I haven't scared you away yet. (laughs) Uh, No. You know what else is three days away besides my sister's due date? Um, the new year in six years. Yes. The new year, which is much less important than our six year anniversary. (laughs) Yes. Six years ago, January 1st, 2015, the very first episode of the masterclass was published. You know, what's funny though, is that episode is gone. I think I bring this up every year. It's nowhere. <laughs> it's not on the it website. You cannot find it on any podcast directory. I don't have it on any hard drive. It has vanished. So. So crazy. It's okay. 
uh, ominous beginning to our adventure. But here we are, 177 <laughs> episodes later. Still going strong. Yep. All right. Uh, well, let's get to it then. We're in Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. And we are going to read through verse 3. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washing, about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So this is interesting. It's... Uh... Paul's kind of getting a little, uh, uh, what's the phrase, um, punchy with his words here. <laughs> Maybe trying to uh, ruffle a few feathers. Yeah. Since you have become dull of hearing, <laughs> which I imagine is the ancient way of saying, oh, how do you think How many that times do I have to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> It's like talking to a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, I mean, like, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. <laughs> like, you should get this by now. You should be teaching it. But instead, we're still mm-hmm. holding your hands like little elementary school children. Yes. I don't know. I find it. It's like one of part of me is like, man, is he allowed to talk to them that way? Shouldn't, shouldn't (laughs) he be a little nicer? Probably not. I mean, imagine sitting in church and hearing your pastor say this to the people in the congregation. How well do you think that would go today? Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, honestly, how much do you think there's even any kind of, um, harsh words, and I, that's your point. I, I mean, you just don't get that. And not that necessarily you should, but. <laughs> well, there's a, there's, a, there's a place for church discipline. I just don't think many churches are good at it. No. Because we don't want to offend anyone, Dave. Yeah. You need milk, not solid food. So he's essentially calling them spiritual babies, right? For everyone who yep. lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. 
But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So this is, okay, like let's take this chunk, right? Paul is saying, you're dull of hearing, you should be teachers by now, we're still holding our hands, you need baby food because you're still children. And one of the ways he distinguishes between a child and a mature person is that a mature person has the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I think this is a really, really interesting concept. And um, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. Uh, I was doing a round table discussion for our upcoming church service um, on, on Sunday. And one of the guys in the round table um, we were talking about spiritual disciplines, and he brought up that he he saw this video where Steph Curry made 108 three-pointers in a row. Wow. And this is, you know, someone who's, over the last eight years, been widely regarded as one of the best players in the NBA. Won multiple championships, you know, can shoot the lights out. And a lot of us think, oh, he gets to play basketball for a living. He's stupid rich. Like, his life must be really easy. Like, wouldn't it be nice to be Steph Curry? And mm-hmm. we see the glitz and the glamour, right? We see the pomp and circumstance of arriving to an NBA game and, you know, the TV commercials and, you know, the fame. What we don't see is the grind, right? Mm-hmm. Of the practice, right. of the weightlifting, of the cardio, of the the disciplined diet, of you know all of the things that goes into being able to compete at such a high level so consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know we saw it and we see it in other athletes like, like Kobe comes to mind, Michael Jordan comes to mind, LeBron. Like if we're staying within basketball, like these are guys that are known for their tenacity in game, but also outside of it in the crazy discipline and the willingness, like Russell Wilson said, he spends a million dollars a year on his body, whether that's paying for chefs, paying for trainers, paying for rehab visits, like, cause he wants to say he wants to play quarterback till he's 45. And so he mm-hmm. spends a million dollars a year. Just, and that's not even the time. That's just obviously the money. Right. And so, mm-hmm. but there's often times where I'm like, man, I'd love to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. That's the best job in the world, right? Because you don't ever have to play and you get paid good money. <laughs> yeah. But even to be that person, right? The amount of discipline and the amount of constant practice and the amount like of discernment of like everything that it goes into being excellent at something is mm-hmm. years of practice, is years of discipline, is constantly saying no to to good things to have you know to to, to get better things and I think most of us just don't want to do anything remotely close to that. We just want to be comfortable. (laughs) And then when we're not comfortable, we whine and complain that we're not comfortable, but we really don't want to do anything about it because that would make us more uncomfortable. Yeah. And so when I read this, you know, solid food is for the mature. Those who have the powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. This is like Paul calling out the immaturity that he obviously has stated, but he's saying you don't have the discernment because you haven't put in the practice and therefore you cannot distinguish good from evil, which makes you children. You haven't put in the work. 
you should be teachers by now, but you still need someone to teach you again the basic principles. Like you just haven't done what you need to do to mature. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a pretty uh, harsh way to deliver that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it just it catches my attention because oftentimes, you know, we don't hear this sort of aggressive assessment of people in the church, unless it's that one group that, you know, our denomination or our particular church has decided is evil, you know, and Mm -hmm. you can, you can fill in the blank there with your experience, right? So I just, I find it really, really interesting that he's calling out the lack of constant practice and that that can help train your discernment, right? And Mm -hmm. that's, that's just very present on my mind is like, how much I don't want to practice spiritual disciplines because I would rather just watch TV. Yeah. And I'm feeling a bit convicted about that reading this. Because <laughs> here we are, right? Teaching the Bible, as it were. You know, and I teach at youth group and all of that. And it's like, man, what would Paul say to me? Would it be a lot different than this? Mm-hmm. On a good day, maybe, but on most days, I think it would be really, really closely aligned to this, and right. probably, and probably even worse because of the positions that I hold. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah. So. I'm uh I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of feeling this one, Dave. Mm. Perhaps that's why I'm at a lack for words. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I I I would just echo um the same of you know, I I, I I put it in that context of, and I'm sure I've said this before, of if I really believed what I believe, you, I know, <laughs> like, my, my, my behaviors and my actions don't really line up. You know, um, I think about the, and not to pat myself on the back or us on the back, but we probably spend more time in the Bible than the, you know, the average Christian. And... I'm certainly not spending as much time as I could or I should. Um, and then I think of all the things that I default to, uh, like you said, just TV, binge watching, um, uh, those sort of things. Um, and, you know, our, our, it's we have a rich faith. We have a rich... Um, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, um, God has given us the ability to reason and think, and um, like you said, um, partake in the the spiritual disciplines, and just such an opportunity to really enrich our lives with Him and all He's given us. And 
I know for me, I'm pretty consistent in not choosing that. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Because <laughs> I know it's not just you. It's me and it's no. other people too. Yeah. You know, but, but at the same time, I, there, you know, there is an element of like, you know, Jesus talking about a parable and the disciples just completely missing the point of the parable and him kind of being annoyed, annoyed with them. Like, do I have to explain another one to you guys? You know? Um, and I don't even know what, totally what my point is with that, but it, it, maybe back to what you said, it's, it's not just us. Um, and it's probably the, um, more true of, of just who we all are in our, our (laughs) existence. And I don't know. Well, human nature, right? That old, uh, that old, um, well-used excuse for a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So this next part is interesting. Now that when we get into chapter six, right? Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Uh, excuse me, Paul? Excuse mm-hmm. me, sir. The elementary doctrine of Christ? Like, I get it. There's more, there's more to our faith than who Jesus is and what Jesus mm-hmm. accomplished. But calling it elementary seems a bit harsh. <laughs> I'm sure Jesus is like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> um, uh, what was elementary about getting murdered? Not that he would be that way, but uh, yeah, I, I, I should take that one back. Um, but not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. Okay. So like that stuff I I get right. Repenting, repenting from your dead works, have faith in God, right? Uh, instructions about washings. Cause again, there was lots and lots of ritualistic cleansings and stuff that the Jews had to worry about laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, which the Jews actually did not believe in if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah. Yep. And the whole idea of eternal judgment. So like a lot of that stuff, basic, I would call that stuff elementary as far as like what you would need to talk to a Jewish person about specifically. But the doctrine of Christ as elementary is, man, that's an interesting choice. Well, and, and yeah, so doctrine of Christ, right? So they're those three words. Um, so I, I, I flipped to the message just real quick, and this kind of made me laugh a little bit. Um, it says, so come on, let's <laughs> leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic fundamental truths are in place. Turn back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. So, you know, I read that and I was like, well, that's kind of, <laughs> let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises. Um, but in essence, like what came to my mind is let's move on from the felt board Jesus. Let's move on. <laughs> 
you know, let's move on from the Sunday school Jesus um, and actually get in. But like you said, that to me is different than doctrine of Christ. Because the doctrine of Christ is a pretty, you know, even the NIV says elementary teachings about Christ. So, yeah, I'm not sure that's the best word usage. And Well, I'm, I'm interested to know what, what the Greek is there. I'm looking it up in the New Living Translation real quick. Um, go to... So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. We don't need further instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we'll move forward to further understanding. That's a lot clearer to me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the message just makes me laugh, and I can't take it seriously. Like I get what they're <laughs> no, trying to I know. say. I get what they're I trying know. to say, but that's when I that's when I will go to the New Living Translation. Um, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Then the New Living yep. Translation version. And let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again. Well, yeah, you just you just said it a chapter ago, Paul, that that you do need to start again. Uh, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. So interesting. All right, I can get over the elementary doctrine stuff because I mean, doctrine teaching same concept, right? It's just the word doctrine is so uh, loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, like the basic teachings of Christ would be. He was fully God, fully man, sinless, died in our place, resurrected from the dead. Bullet points, right? The doctrine of Christ is all of that, but like 10 levels deep. Well, what does it mean that he was fully God and fully man? What does it mean that he was God in human form, part of the Trinity? What does it mean that he was sinless? What is the substitutionary atonement and like, like all the doctrine to me brings up the depth of all of that. Whereas the Mm -hmm. basic teachings of Christ is like, okay, here are the bullet points, all very, very, very important, but this is one one We're not, we're not to the doctrinal level yet as far as like, and I realize that's my, me putting further emphasis on the word doctrine than is inherent in the actual word. Right. Because, when you think doctrine, you think dead old guys that spoke other languages, <laughs> you know, and that's just an outcome of, of, you know, my academic past and not just mine, but a lot of people's. Um, so yeah, cool. Moving on. Anything you want to say on that before we roll on? Um, no, I don't have anything else to say. All right. Laying, again, a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. And this we will do if God permits, which... How do you feel about that phrase, Dave? And this we will do if God permits. Um, it makes me think the good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was hoping you were going to say something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And this we will do if God permits. So um, I remember having a conversation. It's probably been 20 over. Yeah, well, it's definitely been over 20 years ago uh, when working at the church. And um, basically the one of the associate pastors just kind of to a group of us younger folks was when you pray, don't throw in the, if it's your will, you know, um, because that gives in, God a, 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 an out like, yeah, <laughs> well, and so, um, basically what his, what his argument was is if you believe that prayer changes God's mind, like if prayer actually has an influence on God, then why are you hedging your bets by throwing in if it's your will? And then even went on a little bit more to kind of say, um, uh, we should know God's will. Like we, you know, we shouldn't be praying for it if it's not, uh, in God's will. Well, hold the phone on that one. No, I know. (laughs) Trust me. And then, um, and then somebody did quote, you know, kind of the whole, you know, as human beings, we really should not be saying, I will do this or I will do that. Uh, because you know, we don't have that ability. Um, but it was, so anyway, my point to this whole, it was a, it, it, um, it was a, one of those times where maybe we did go a little bit deeper and, and we're chewing on some material and the, the, the associate pastor who was doing this, like I, like had that tendency to kind of play devil's advocate and kind of, um, you know, really challenge people on, why are you throwing that into your prayer? Like, why are you um, putting that in there? And I know for me personally, and this is kind of what I was getting to, is um, there needs to be, um, one, I think, a sense of surrender when we pray and kind of are really sort of like we're coming to the Master and... Uh, the word that's coming to my mind is begging, so I'll use it. But, you know, really begging, pleading, pleading with um, the Master uh, to hear us, to answer our prayer, and then just sort of having a sense of knowing our plan, knowing our place in all of that. Because, as we've mentioned, you know, God has the mile-high view of why things are happening. There's a purpose, there's a plan. And while we may be... Um, well-intentioned and it seems good. Uh, I'm, I'm particularly thinking of, you know, when uh, Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, you know, um, there's God has the eternal perspective. We don't have the eternal expe- perspective and he is God. So that is a lot to kind of throw out there, but <laughs> well, yeah. So my, my rebuttal when I said, hold the phone was there are multiple examples in scripture where right. people have oh, yeah. changed God's will mm-hmm. by praying or by petitioning him. Moses with the Israelites, uh, yep. Abraham with yep. what? Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm pretty sure David at one point too. So 
like we shouldn't be praying unless it's God will God's will. It's like, well, no, we should be praying because we're supposed to be in relationship with God, and that means that we're communicating. You know, yes. and if something is going on that we don't like, we have every right and reason to petition God for it to change. That doesn't mean right. that He has to change His will, but He certainly could. You know, and to yeah. your point, right? Like the whole get behind me Satan part. Jesus isn't gonna go okay, Peter, you know, and like totally change the course of what needs to happen. Because in that instance, Peter was wrong. Mm-hmm. But in the instance of, you know, like I said, Moses and Abraham and David, God chose to relent or change based on the petitions of a human. Mm-hmm. So that was where I was going with it. You know, Wait. and then because thinking that you're praying the will of God is like, certainly we should want our wills to bend to his and to more and mm-hmm. more be in line with his, but we should also have the freedom to feel like we can bring up our frustrations and our, and in that God can, can, can change what is going on or, mm-hmm. or they don't change. And it's an opportunity for us to learn through suffering, which is one of, you know, the things that, like one of the reasons suffering exists and why Christians actually have a redemptive purpose for the existence of suffering is because it will make you more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there is there is purpose and growth and outcome in it that no other religion on the planet can even, you know, offer anything close to as far as, you know, why pain and suffering exist and what their purpose is. Um so anyways, that's that that's what the tangent or the the angle I was coming at it from and why I was thinking that that guy was maybe <laughs> needed to rethink what he said, but yeah. And, and so I'm going to say if we take Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane going before God, knowing oh what gosh, his purpose yeah. is and knowing that he has to do it. So Matthew 26, 39 it says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So <laughs> if Jesus does it, then I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Particularly in that moment. That's funny. I didn't even think about that as soon as you said it, though. It's like, oh, yeah, that that Jesus guy on the night before he got turned over. <laughs> the whole reason that, well, I don't know the whole reason, but yes, <laughs> very important. <sighs> All right, then this we will do if God permits. Well, that took an interesting twist. I was I wasn't expecting to have that conversation there at the end. Mm-mm. I still don't know how I feel about it, even though Jesus said it. Because, like, obviously, if God permits it, you'll do it, right? That's that's like, what's a good example? This we will do if God permits. Like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, duh. Because if God <laughs> didn't permit it, you wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's that's like the fundamental nature of existence. God doesn't permit it; it doesn't happen. Right. 
That's what I think. Uh, God, one of the things God doesn't permit is the lions to ever be good. If I could be serious <laughs> for a moment. Yeah, it was pretty ugly this week. Oh my gosh. It's a good thing I don't watch them anymore. <laughs> Anyways, now that I brought that up, I think that means we have actually reached the end of the episode. Quite possible, I, yes. I certainly don't want to talk about them right now. Any uh, any closing thoughts? Um, any closing thoughts? No. Do not. All right. Well, I think we have uh, we've uh, we've come to the end here, folks, of episode one hundred and seventy-seven of the masterclass. Thanks for uh, coming along uh, for this conversation with us. We appreciate it very much. Uh, check the show notes out: supermegacorp.net/slash/masterclass/slash/one-seventy-seven. Or if you're listening on a podcast app, you can find the notes right there. Swipe around, you'll find them. I promise. I try. I have, I have faith that you can find them. And in there, you'll find links to the stuff we talked about, as well as links to get in contact if you want to say hey and uh, or offer feedback. And I think until, well, this one won't come out until 2021, but it's still currently 2020. So even though you won't hear this until 2021, I'm still going to say Happy New Year. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, happy Friday, depending on how you feel about the whole fake nature of time and calendars. But we'll talk about that at another time. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that was awkward. I'm going to go now. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Bye.